Hello, everybody. For the Q3 interims report of our company, Effelsmith, special hello to our guests here in the Effelsmith headquarter, as well as to all the guests out in the world. We start now with the presentation, and as always, we start with the so-called uh, forward-looking statement. They are part of the package. The key highlights for the quarter three report. As we said in Q2, business environment unchanged. I will come later to the details. Further, as you see in our figures, significant decrease of order intake based on the lack of large orders in quarter three. Our return on capital employed for the quarter was 10% and our EBITDA margin 3.6%. Based on the already in Q2 announced special items, if you look into the underlying result of the quarter three, it's more than 9%, 9.1. Our efficiency program progress according to plan and last but not least, we keep our group guidance for 2013. If I now start with the current market trends, and as I said before, we keep the same message as we had already in Q2, which means the CapEx downturn in the mining part, in the minerals part, we still see ongoing up to the end of 2014. And then from that ongoing flattish in 2015. We have, as I said, CapEx driven. We have, at the same time, all the mines operating 24-7. We see quite okay commodity prices. So out of that, this cyclical downturn in the minerals business has on one side the CapEx downturn and on the other side quite a good operational level. If I come now to the cement industry, cement, as from a global point of view, is of course on a very, very low level, not only based on the collapse regarding China, but as we said in Q2, we have so-called pockets of recovery. We have areas like in Africa, Middle East and parts in Asia, which are developing in the cement business quite favorable. So overall, our outlook for cement is more slightly positive. And important for us, there is no cancellation of orders in the Q3 and regarding backlog. I use now here the Q3 announcement to give a comment why we are not concerned, or as some people ask me, in panic, this is, as I said, as we said in Q2, a typical mining cyclical downturn, what we face and what we have. We know that we perform from our point of view throughout that cycle very good. And we know that long term with our vision to be the full service provider, we have absolutely the right way to go. We are focused on six key industries. We offer full-service solutions. We have the systems competence. That's our heritage. We acquired a lot of product companies and added with that the detailed product competence, which enables us 
to beat the full service provider into the industry in a fantastic way. I only give a hint on the order what we announced two days ago in Nigeria. And again, we are called in with our competence, with our capabilities to maintain, to operate sites, of course, delivered by us, but again, as well as from peers. So we reached what we call the technology service level, which is outmost important for the development of our company and clearly shows the way forward in the next 130 years. Part of that long-term view is, of course, that we manage the short to midterm situations. And at the moment, it is that we are in a cyclical downturn. And for that, we already announced in Q2 the so-called efficiency program. And as you could see, in the last few weeks, we are not the only one doing that. But of course, we are one of the first going with that alive. And as I promised on Q2, I will go more into details what the efficiency program promised and where we are today. Let us start with the headcount reductions. We said in 2015, we will have a full year effect of 1,100 people, employees less. We have already a so-called run rate full year effect of 820 achieved. We announced site closures of more than 20 sites. We are already at 28 in the finalizing stage. And we said it will cost us to have a 750 million DKK improvement on EBITDA level in 2015. It will cost us 500. And reported in quarter three are 167 million from these one-off costs. And the full-year effect, as said in Q2 announcement, is 350 million. Most important is, of course, for us as a management team, for us as employee of FLS, what is the full-year effect on EBITDA level already with these activities, what we initiated. And I have to remind you, we started that efficiency program at the end of quarter three this year, in that way as we announced it. And already the full-year effect or run rate is 338 million DKK, which gets closer to the 50% of the total package what we promised for 2015. That is what I call on plan and very satisfactory for us. How does it come up? We announced that we work on seven initiatives and they are all time-related. Initiative one, cost optimization, is the first thing where we work on and then going down to leading technology as the point number seven. Here you see the percentage share of the run rate of 338 million DKK between the different blocks. And we are very much satisfied about our performance, especially our employees' performance to achieve that good result already. Out of that, with that positive news about the efficiency program and being on track 
and being on plan, I would like to give the leading of the presentation to my CFO, Ben Gurren. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I will continue by looking at the financial overview. And uh, we see in the third quarter that the efficiency program has had an impact in terms of special items, together with some other initiatives that we are working on. At the same time, the quarter has been impacted by the general cyclical downturn in the market. And the third, we have also the currency, the, 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 the currency effects which are impacting our numbers in, in terms of translation. So, seeing the order intake, it is down with 42% compared to one year back. If you adjust for the currency effects, it is down 36%. At the same time, we see the revenue is holding up. It's the same level as one year back. And even there, adjusted for the currency, it is up 7% quarter on quarter. The effect from these two is that we are consuming some of the backlog at present and will be the situation until the order intake starts picking up again. Our EBITDA line has been impacted in total with 370 million from the special items in this quarter, bringing the EBITDA down with 63% compared to one year back. The EBIT has also been impacted by the impairment write-off that we made of the Ludovici acquisition, where we have been writing off 880 million. Looking at the cash flow from our operation, it is positive compared to last year, where it was negative. And uh, it is partly driven by the positive development we now see in the networking capital in the group. Our base of employees is reported with a small reduction of 1% compared to one year back. Under there, we had a layoff of more than 400 people in the second quarter, which we reported one year quarter back. But at the same time, we were building up to, to, to fill the requirements from the operation and maintenance contracts that we had taken in. Looking more at the order intake. The order intake situation down 42%, adjusted for currency 36% down. Of this order intake, the service activities accounted for 53%. When we're comparing our Q3 order intake this year with one year back, we see that the quarter three 2012 was a record high for many years with a number of large new orders announced. In Q3 this year, we see the unannounced order base and intake of a bit more than 4 billion is a quite a relatively stable level. So that continues. What is new is that we see the, the new large order intake has been low over the last three quarters. We were happy to see the announced order in this quarter of a new operation maintenance contract, which was record high in our business. That will go into our order backlog in the fourth quarter of 2013. But we have decided to start reporting the order intake of operation maintenance contracts with a rolling 12, which means that we take in the next 12 months revenue from the new orders, and that will be added every month. So that is a rolling 12 principle. We will not change the orders already in the backlog of operational maintenance. The revenue development is reported flat in our numbers, 
And uh, that is a change when we see the pattern from the earlier years where we had a quarter by quarter and increase. And we have to look into what are the effects making this development. First of all, we see that um, it has been pulled down from uh, currency effects. So adjusted for the currency, it is an increase compared to one year back of 7%. The full year reported revenue is 9% up year to date compared to one year back. Um, the two main divisions who have been uh, delivering a lower revenue, not fulfilling the pattern from the two years before, is customer services and material handling. In customer services, uh, there are effects. The currency effect where the Australian dollars has been declining strongly. In addition, we see the general market situation in Australia is low and also the Ludovici investment acquisition with the coal industry is also at the low level. So, of course, this is also illustrating why we have decided to make an impairment write-off of the Ludovici investment of 880 million in this quarter. The material handling part is uh, still working uh, in a um, market which is challenging. At the same time, we have a solid pipeline. We have a lot of opportunities but we show prudence in which order we still take in until we have finalized the difficult projects, which are the legacy projects we're still uh, working on finalizing. Then about the gross margin in our business. We expected a drop in gross margin in Q3 compared to one year back based on that we now are executing in our business projects taken in uh, during the global financial crisis with a low margin in that backlog. That is especially the cement business. At the same time, we have made initiatives, taken costs in this third quarter, which is impacting strongly the gross margin. And that is the write-off of inventories of 203 million, which is the, the main effect here, uh, which um, uh, together with the efficiency program and initiatives there have been taking down the gross margin. We report 18.6%. If we adjust for these elements, the gross margin is 23%, comparable to the 26% one year back. Our cost ratio is starting to improve as a part of the initiatives being worked on on the cost level. We see a drop from the quarter one year back of 14.7% down to 13.8%. In the Quarter three this year, we have also added a lot of one-off costs related to the one-off, uh, the, the efficiency program. And if we adjust for the, the special items here, our underlying EBITDA for this quarter is 12.7 points. That means one percentage point down from the reported. So we're seeing a positive development and uh, with the efficiency program started to work we are looking forward to a continued development in this direction. Our EBITDA has been impacted both from the effects on the gross margin as well as the effects on the cost side, the SGNA cost side. So we see a drop in the EBITDA margin of 63% after being charged 370 million in these special items this quarter. So we are reporting an EBITDA of 3.6% compared to 9.8 one year back. If we adjust 
for the 370 million in special items, we had an, an, an EBITDA of 9.1%, slightly below what it was one year back. I also would like to mention that the, the currency effects that we are seeing on the top line, not to the same extent has impacted the EBITDA line as it is a net impact there, which is more or less ignorable. It's less than 20 million in the quarter. We see the bridge on the slide here on the right side where we have the effects um, uh, from the inventory write-down of 203 million and the efficiency program of 167 million, which is in total uh, bringing the the adjusted EBITDA margin to the 9.1% level. Our return on capital employed is impacted both from the change in the return, uh, the, the EBITDA, as well as the development in our capital employed. So we are reporting 10% return on capital employed in third quarter. We reported 90% last year. If you take the adjustments we talked about in the EBITDA into consideration, we have a 15% return on capital employed in the third quarter. Looking at the capital employed, we have an ambition to become more capital efficient, and we are working on that. So we had a peak in the third quarter, 2012, that was after the large acquisition of Ludovici, as well as a number of smaller acquisitions. Since then, we have been working on, and we see a gradual reduction in the capital employed in our business, partly driven by also the networking capital program that I will come back to. But we have also made adjustments in the, this quarter in write-down of inventories as well as the write-down of Ludovici, which is also impacting the development and capital employed in the business. Then looking at the networking capital, we see that the program is taking effect, the program of efficiency also in the capital side. And uh, our networking capital has shown a steady decline since the peak in third quarter 2012, where we said we need to break a curve where we had had an increase every month and every quarter for many quarters. So we have managed to break it and we have managed to, to achieve now um, a downturn, a, down, a reduction an improvement in the networking capital. This is driven by uh, a number of initiatives. And uh, of course, in this quarter, we have the effects from the write-off of the inventory, as um, well as we did in the second quarter um, uh, provision regarding the material handling, which both also has impacted, have impacted to the effect in networking capital. Even more important to notice is that we are in a period with less large new orders, which brings less down payment from customers. So in a way, the, the money borrowed from our customers in, in terms of down payments and, um, and um, account invoicing is less. So in the period where we see this actual drop in numbers, underneath there, we have also absorbed a reduction of close to 1 billion in reduced down payments and account invoicing from customers. We have more to go in networking capital, and we will continue with this as a part of the efficiency program. The effect here has impacted positively also on the cash flow. Cash flow is important in the periods of cyclic downturn. So we focus strongly on it, and we can report a positive cash flow in the third quarter of 283 million. This is also after being impacted with the cash element 
of some of the one-offs in the efficiency program. We have had um, cash flow from investments, operational capex in this quarter of 192 million. These are primarily linked to the integration of acquisitions we did during last year, together with uh, that we have been building up our super service centers. We continue with that, and there are some minor costs or uh, capex related to our portfolio buildings around the world. The net effect is that we report a positive free cash flow also in the third quarter of 91 million. With that, I turn back the microphone to Thomas. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ben. So, I would like to uh, talk about the divisional development in the quarter three. Um, as you see on the slides for the colleagues here in the room, and I hope outside too, um, Customer service, as well as material handling, as well as mineral processing, as well as cement, have decreased percentage-wise in order intake up to significant decrease. This is in total, as Ben already said, minus 42% on the quarter or year on year. And of course, it has to do with the lack of large orders when the unannounced orders, the smaller ones, are on a very resilient and favorable level, we have to say. But we compare here the quarter three 2013 with the strongest ever order intake quarter of Ethel Smith, the quarter three 2012. And we compare by having a currency impact which is significant on the order intake too. So it's not, of course, a positive development, but it's not a development where we would say it's total underperformance. Opposite. We are in line as the industry is. We are in line with peers. And that is what the market is about. Simply a lack of large orders. On the other side, if we look into the revenue throughout the different divisions, we had, if we look into customer service, on the quarter, a revenue downturn. I will come later to that. Material handling, roughly 19% down. But mineral processing keeping up, flattish plus one, and cement plus 52, sorry, 53% year on year. So our revenue is as expected on the level as we in Q2 set how the guidance will go. Last but not least, of course, the EBITDA level. And that is heavily impacted throughout all divisions with the so-called one-offs, what we call special items, what we already announced in Q2 in a very much detailed way. Important here are two divisions to mention. One is mineral processing. Despite all the one-offs, despite the special items, they still can keep the profitability, which clearly shows an underlying profitability, which is very favorable. can say it, it's above 11, close to 12% EBITDA underlying. And the one where we get always the most question, how much challenging is material handling? If we take the 15 legacy projects out where we have a very strong focus on it and performing well on it based on plan, if we take that on site, material handling is already in the black figures, close to 4% EBITDA underlying. And that's quite an achievement in that actual business environment. If I then have a deep dive into customer service, if you look on the chart left, you see 
that the level of so-called unannounced orders is on a quite healthy level. But here we compare, as I said before, with a significant overperformance quarter in 2012. There is no jealousy in it, but we have really to take that into account when we compare. On the other side, when we look then to the right graph, we have a revenue down trend in uh, quarter versus uh, quarter three versus quarter two. But the order intake is higher than expected. So we have a leveling between revenue and order intake. The same is with the thing of the currency impact. Mainly customer service got an impact of currency impact. Based on the fact that we are very much exposed to the Australian dollar and the, uh, to the US dollar. And of course, last but not least, the Ludovici acquisition, where we definitely see on the customer service side, lower business nowadays than we saw 12 months ago, based on the coal industry development, which is a part of our uh, impairment. And with that, I come to the impairment and inventory write-downs in Q3, as it was announced already that we will do so in Q2. But we announced for the impairment of Ludovici in Q2 an estimated of 800 million. When we did the detailed test, impairment test, we came up to 880. The inventory write-down, we announced 200 and we came up to 203. So from our point of view, we are more or less in line with that what we announced in Q2. If I then go to the next page, on page number 20, and look to the special items, as it was already announced in Q2, the EBITDA impact is minus 876 for the full year. And on EBIT level, it's minus 1.756 billion DKK. I should not forget that we already in 2012 announced a one-off for 2013 of 200 million, which was fully related as so-called one-off cost for integration of all the acquisitions, what we did, especially in 2012. If I then come on page number 21, we keep the group guidance. And the group guidance with revenue 26 to 28 billion, the EBITDA margin on 4 to 5%, as we said in Q2 already. And, of course, the investments, as Ben was elaborating before on it, of minus 800 million. And the return on capital employed outlook for the full year of 7 to 8%. If I now go one level more detail on page number 22, the, uh, the divisional guidance, there you see that we changed the revenue guidance for customer service from before 8 to 9 to 7 to 8. As I said, this is born out of the situation in Q3 based on currency and based on the Ludovici part. We keep an EBITDA guidance from 10 to 11, previously 13 to 14. This is based on the special items, what we said before only based on the special items, as we said before. Nothing else. Then material handling, four to five we keep. 
and the EBITDA guidance of minus 11 to minus 12 before it was minus 8 to minus 9. But the reduction is again only based on the special items. Mineral processing, 9 to 10 before it was 9 to 11. But we keep the profit guidance 8 to 9, including the special items, what we had in the quarter three. So no change of guidance. And in cement, 5 to 6 billion and 5 to 6% EBITDA margin, which is lower to the 6 to 7 before, again based on the special items. If I now go to page number 23, the outlook. And of course, outlook is um, a little bit crystal ball, but we are, of course, very much focused on that, how the market develop. And with our business model to be late cyclic and having a strong order book and seeing how the revenue go, we are, of course, permanently looking into that to have the right actions at the right time. And we see, as said at the beginning of the presentation, an ongoing CapEx downturn in mining up to the end of 2014. Cement CapEx was already down, is already down, but we see pockets of recovery. Customer service with a growth of 13% on the year, we see, still see very resilient and still growing especially if you look into our order intake, what we had in quarter three. And we have, of course, to say the current order intake level is not sufficient to sustain the current level of revenue in the future. And that is only based on the lack of large orders. And out of that, we expect the revenue will be lower in 2014 versus 2013. If I come from the outlook now into the key highlights again to finalize that before we go into Q&A, business environment unchanged versus that what we said in Q2. We have a significant decrease of order intake based on the lack of large orders, based on currency effect, and based on the fact that we compare with uh, the most strongest quarter ever, quarter three 2012 for F.L. Smith. Our return on capital employed is on 10% and our EBITDA margin 3.6% for the quarter three, underlying more than 9%, which is very positive. And the proof that we manage in this short to mid-term downturn cycle, very professional, the efficiency program progress very well and according to plans. So we keep our group guidance for 2013. Ben, I would like now to go to the Q&A and we can start this time directly with colleagues sitting outside the headquarter here in uh, Welby in Copenhagen, Denmark. If you have questions, please start to ask. Lars Topholm from Carnegie Asset Management has a question. It's uh, Carnegie uh, Bank, not Carnegie Asset Management. Uh, I have a couple of questions. If, if we start with uh, uh, 
efficiency programs, uh, Thomas, if, if, if I now look at your backlog, it, it's down 23%, and it's probably set to decline further if, if uh, we, we take your view on, uh, on mining capex in, in, in 14. Uh, if I look at your efficiency program, that takes out 7% of headcount. If I look into divisions in uh, minerals processing, your backlog is down 36%. Your headcount right now is flat. Your book to bill is 0.6. If I look at materials handling, your headcount is up a little bit compared to a year ago, but your backlog 20% down. Uh, so, so the, the $1,000 question, of course, is uh, what are you waiting for in terms of, of, of pruning a little bit more here? What should we look for and how much can you do? And a related question is if we assume a revenue level in 15 of 24 to 25 billion, would it then be realistic to reach your 10% EBITDA margin target? And then a, a, a third question, I don't know if you did the math, but, but if you uh, uh, were to calculate the current order backlog, but assuming your new principle for O&M contracts, uh, how much of the just over five billion in backlog coming from O and M should I deduct? Uh, is it uh, roughly seventy-five percent? So, an underlying backlog would be closer to twenty-one, twenty-two billion under the the, the current principles. Is that a, a, a sensible way to look at it? Thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Lars. The, I take the first two questions, and Ben, you take. Question number three. Regarding the headcount, um, if you look into the figures, you see that we are on a very high revenue level. That is a fact. And we need, of course, the labor on board to deal with that, to deliver the things what we have in the books. And that's a typical um, situation for F.L. Smith, that we have a lot of orders going over 18, 24 months. And, of course, it's important that we finalize these orders. It gives us a fantastic opportunity to look into the future and seeing how our revenue line is going up or going down and then taking at the right time the right decision to do so. And I can guarantee you that we will do the right decision on business right sizing when the moment is there to do so. If you look into the efficiency program, we at the end of quarter three announced that we will take up to 2015, 1,100 people out, and we already informed 820. So we are quite on a good way to deliver that what we promised for 2015. So from that point of view, we are in the driver's seat to make at the right time the right decision. But we can't do it before, one, before we have all the orders what we have finalized, and second, seeing how the development of large orders is in the near future. Because clear is, and you are completely right, the amount of large orders in 2013 for the industry, and I'm not now talking about Ethel Smith, I talk about the industry, is significant down versus the years before. The question is, of course, can it go down more? From our point of view, questionable. It can't, Thomas, because you didn't book any in Q3. Exactly. Exactly. Then we look into your outlook with the 24 to 25 billion 
DKK in 2015 if we are able to reach the 10% EBIT or EBITDA in that case. Um, as far as we proceed with the efficiency program, where we will deliver the 750 million DKK on uh, EBITDA improvement, and of course now the outlook, the forecast, how the business develop, of course there is an opportunity, good opportunity, to go into the long-term guidance between 10 to 13 percent EBITDA. But, but, but what, what's the, the base for the 750, Thomas? If, if I look at your implicit guidance for this year, it's around 1.3 billion in EBITDA. So that will only bring you to just over 2 billion in, in 15. So doesn't this relate to my previous question that, that you need to do more than you already have done yeah. on, on, on the cost cutting and Lars. not wait too long? Yeah, Lars, absolutely clear. If the business doesn't come up, we definitely will right-size at the right time. And as you saw with the efficiency program, we did it in a time very early versus the other peers by still having a very, very high revenue, what we still carry. So be, and I can say it like that, we definitely take the business right-sizing when it's necessary to take. But we have with our business model the opportunity to look how the revenue line develops. I can bring it like that. It doesn't make sense to take uh, people out when you have the highest revenue and you need the labor and you have to finalize these projects. But I agree, if we would, what we will not, if we would wait too long with business right sizing, it definitely would hurt us and that will not happen. That will definitely not happen. Okay, and just to be completely clear, so at revenue levels of 24, 25 billion, you believe the, the 10% is realistic in 15? I know, of course, things can, can of course, change on the way, but as you see it from, from today. If I, if I say it like that, if the product mix or business mix and the 24 to 25 billion is in a normal way, then the long-term guidance is a possibility or is an opportunity to reach. If, of course, we would get what we don't see, but if we would get into an unfavorable product mix, business mix, then it would be difficult to keep that up. That's clear. Ben, the, Should the I third, take the yes, third uh, question, uh, which was about our order backlog, which is by the end of the third quarter is reported to be 24.5 billion. And uh, the question was the, the order backlog uh, from the operation maintenance contracts. And we have decided, first of all, we will not take out the present order backlog regarding the operation maintenance contracts. We think it's wrong because it has been reported to the market and our plan is to keep that in. Uh, the size of this, of our total order backlog of 24.5 billion by the end of this quarter, 8.3 billion regards the customer service business. And of that again, 5.2 billion. That is the order backlog Regarded, uh, regarding the operation and maintenance contracts. That will stay in, and it's a healthy backlog which will be converted to revenue over a period of the average age or the time for this backlog, which is uh, close to four years. Okay, so, so under the new principle, if, if you were I mean, I, I fully understand and, and agree you, you shouldn't change the way you report it, but 
if we were to compare apples to apples under the new guidelines, I should roughly deduct uh, 75% of, of the 5.2 billion to have an O&M element which reflects the next 12 months of, of, of revenue. Is that a correct It's a good, log good logic, yes. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lars. Alex Wright from JP Morgan is on the line with a question. Yeah, hi everybody. It's Alex White at JP Morgan. I've got three questions, please. Um, firstly, on the services margin, the, the release mentions uh, a weak mix due to a large upgrade project that was running through at a lower margin. I just wonder if you could quantify the, the margin dilution from that project and perhaps help us out with, with how the mix of the backlog looks into Q4 and beyond. Then the second question is uh, on pricing in the services business. Um, we've heard from some, uh, some competitors uh, or at least other mining suppliers about increased pressure in, in some areas of the aftermarket. I'm just wondering what you're seeing and is it impacting your own margins um, in Q3 or at least in, in, in the backlog going forward? And then the, uh, the third question is uh, can you help us out a little bit with the timing of the uh, $338 million in savings that um, – you expect to achieve with the current uh, sort of measures that have been taken. When do those people leave uh, or the facilities close? Um, will we see this run rate in Q4 or, uh, or is it sort of a Q1 story? Thanks. Should I take the first question here, which is regarding the service margin in customer service in the third quarter? And it's correct. It is a bit lower and it's due to some upgrade projects which were quite large for the division in the third quarter, which had a lower service margin. I uh, cannot say anything specifically on the, the percentage as such. We haven't gone out with this, but it had an impact close to 50 million on the, the, the gross margin uh, or the gross profit level. Uh, that uh, is the impact from this, let's say, lower contribution margins on these uh, special upgrade projects. The second question was regarding pricing. Um, we already uh, discussed or said in Q2 that we, of course, feel the pricing pressure. And, uh, of course, not only on the uh, capital orders and system orders, of course, in the aftermarket too. But, of course, not in a severe level from our point of view. And that didn't change. Of course, if you are in a cyclical downturn, customers, the same as we do with our sub-suppliers, are, yeah, we call it putting a foot on the brake for uh, price increases and so on. That, of course, we feel too. More important is, from our point of view, that our customers, the same as we, trying to get their turn rates up. That means the inventory, what they have, that they try to have a higher turn rate. That at the moment, and we see that a little bit with the revenue in quarter three for the service business, for the customer service business, that they look how much they can go down with their inventory level on the mine side and still operating in a uh, preferable way. Because we should not forget, they all operate 24-7 ongoing. But they would like, and they did that, and they are ongoing to do that, to reduce their own inventory level out of the same reasons as we do it. So, And that, we call it the leveling, the movement between revenue and order intake. That's an impact what we see here in, in quarter three. Then the third question regarding the run rate of uh, 338. It is, in all fairness, a little bit difficult from a language point of view really to describe it in one word what we mean. I can describe it like that. 
if I take the, the timing position and say I stop now with the efficiency program completely, I don't do anything, and then annualize the EBITDA improvement, what I have now or what I have at that timing, that ends up to 338 million DKK. That is what we call with a full-year effect. If I take the quarter free, if you look into um, uh, the paperwork, what we gave out, an interims report, um, you see that the headcount effect at the end of quarter three was only, I think, 30 people or so, as far as I remember. 38. 38 people, yes, 38 people out of the 820. Of course, we have to remind, we announced the efficiency program on the 23rd of August then, of course, we had to inform the managers, and then they informed all the employees. That takes weeks. That takes weeks because it is a sad but necessary activity. So for us, more important was how many people we informed up to the end of quarter three. And that, with all the other activities like the site closures, come then to a run rate of 338 annualized. Maybe that describes it or a little bit better. Thanks. That's really helpful. I mean, do, they, do those people do you, like the other, uh, the rest of that 820? Will they would they leave in Q4, or is it, or will some of that fall into next year as well? It is up to the contract what the colleagues have. If they already left, ongoing to leave or leave uh, in a few weeks. That's up to country, up to position. There is no general, uh, how to say, message possible. Because this oh, okay. is an effect all over around the world. That's great. Thanks very much for your answers. Christian Johansson from Danske Bank is on the line with a question. Uh, yes, thank you. Two questions uh, from my side. Uh, first, just a clarification question regarding uh, the comments you gave on your change, the margin guidance for your divisions. Um, the, the lower margin you guide for cement mineral processing and customer services, was it correctly understood that this is only due to the special items that are now included? That's the first question. And then the second question. Uh, you state in your report that uh, you see unannounced orders to, to be relatively stable, but they have been softening in Q3. Do you expect this softening to continue in the coming quarters? Okay. Um, to the first question, I take that. Yes, because it's easy to answer. This is only based on the special items, what we announced already in Q2, and what is, of course, booked in the majority in Q3. The second uh, question, uh, if we, how we see the stableness of uh, so-called unannounced orders, um, without going too much into the mining details, what we see at the moment is more interest on the customer side to improve productivity on the already installed base, what they have. And that triggers, of course, upgrades, change of equipment, sometimes change of complete lines, but they are all, of course, from a monetary part of view on a lower scale than our level when we say more than 200 million DKK. This amount of unannounced orders is quite high, significant higher than we ever had large orders. And that is, of, I think, from our point of view, clear because they are, from a money point of view, significant smaller. But they are dropping in regularly. And we don't see a change of that situation. 
and it explains from our point of view the actual situation where the mineral industry is in. A cyclical downturn based on capex, large order break based on the, what happened in the boom a few years before. Thank you. Samsa Kahunen from DNB is on the line with a question. Uh, yes, good morning and, and congratulations for, uh, for a good result in a difficult situation. I have three questions, if I may. Uh, first of all, um, starting with the Q4, um, uh, Q4, um, uh, uh, backlog or the backlog that is basically still remaining for 2013. When we are looking at the backlog currently, um, it means basically that there is some 6.1 billion of um, DKK for still be delivered in 2013. And I was basically wondering, uh, is there some additional underlying in and out business that would be not visible in this, uh, that would be reflected in the sales figuring in, in Q4? And um, also, is there risk of any kind of delays here? If you are looking at the situation last year, basically there was some 9 billion of um, uh, order backlog to be delivered um, in the end of Q3 um, during 2012, and you ended up delivering some 8 billion. Yes. So I, your question is uh, very much, uh, will we be able to deliver the revenue in Q4 based on the order backlog that we have now, as I understand it? Is that what yes, you're looking for? The, yes, that's, uh, that's what I'm asking, and I wonder if there is mm -hmm. any, uh, any kind of risk of delays, as there seemed to be some delays last year. Uh, we have um, predictability, because now it is just two months left of this year. So we have a predictability, which is fairly good. Uh, that means that um, as we are communicating now, we, we do not see that risk and we don't see that is very high. Uh, we have a um, uh, revenue order back to bill or back to uh, order to revenue, which is uh, very low by the rest of this year. Uh, in the customer service part, um, uh, there is, of course, the nature of the business that is a higher portion. But as we have a good underlying order intake situation in customer service, and in addition, we have just announced the largest ever order in O&M. We feel um, uh, relatively sure when it comes to the customer service part of the business. For the other parts of our business, we have been through each of the divisions and looking into uh, how the order situation and the progress of the delivery out the rest of these two months. And um, we have concluded that we find this uh, risk to be very low. But I understand your question. As we had that situation last year, we think it is a lower risk for this this year. Very good. And then I was uh, basically asking as well as uh, is there some sort of um, in and out business what you see in a, in a quarter that we wouldn't be seeing now in this um, kind of order backlog that, that is being delivered this year still? Uh, what is the level of that type of um, in and out business? It is uh, very low in the three project divisions, but there are some because we have an element of services in also these three businesses. Uh, and that is because we have product companies there. And at present, the product companies, they have a quite high share of services in their part of the business. So both in the project divisions as well as in customer service, we will have a quite high uh, portion there of uh, book to revenue during this quarter. 
very good. But so the kind of um, business that we are not seeing currently in the in the order backlog is uh, uh, significantly low. Um, Another question, when we are looking at the um, 2014, I, I see that the consensus, at least before the results, were standing at some 25 billion sales for next year. At the same time, you see that the order backlog is down by more than, um, more than 20%. Um, how do you think, um, if the sales were down by some 25% next year, which kind of a margin level should we be seeing taking into account the current cost savings that you that you have? If I make it like that, the, um, of course, um, as before from uh, the colleague from Lars who asked the question, absolutely right question, uh, uh, regarding how we right-size the business. We see that coming. If we are not getting big orders, if something would happen in the order intake in general, we see our revenue line. We can track that for the next uh, 9 to 12 months, and we see how it develops. And then we can calculate when latest we have to take the activity to right-size the company in the right manner. If it comes to the, to the margin part, of course, right-sizing always costs money. We should not forget that. That's additional money to do that. But at the same time, we have then by nature, a higher percentage of service business and smaller orders, which are in general significant more profitable than large orders. So we change the, let us say, the pro profit mix in the company. Yeah, indirectly, if I may say so, because we really don't want to have it because we would like to have large orders. But if these kind of orders are completely going away and uh, uh, some of the bigger unannounced orders then, of course, the part of service business, smaller orders, more profitable, would come into account. And that would increase the profitability overall. So on one side, more cost for business right-sizing. On the other side, more uh, profitability based on a different product mix. Then coming back to the overall, how we then see the profit development over next year. Of course, we do our utmost to reach our guidance, our long-term guidance, 10 to 13 percent. I have to say that this is for us written in stone. And the colleagues working with me know that I'm permanently back on that. So we look into that. And if I look into the quarter three, where we have a lower revenue out of customer service, which is the most profitable part, and having a profit hit in customer service, we still are able to keep more than 9% underlying EBITDA result. So we are not confident. It's hard work, but we will do our job to maintain a high profitability and to come into the area of 10 to 13% EBITDA. Very good. And you're going to give the guidance for next year in connection with the Q4 results, I guess. Exactly. Um, uh, the last question I have regarding this large order that you just announced, uh, which is one part of that is going to be booked for Q4. Just um, are you, what is the split between cement and, and services? Is it going to be booked in which part of the uh, uh, division? This is uh, an order booked into customer service. This is an operation and maintenance yes. order, what we got for five lines. And I have a little bit to say something about it because this is – the best proof out of the last few days about our long-term vision for the company to be the full service provider. We are now the ones 
who cover the technology of peers, and not only one peer, several peers, on customer side to maintain and to operate it and to help the customer to improve productivity. And this is significant. We have up to now in our books 15 lines if I take cement, 15 lines if I take cement. In the world, we have two and a half to 3,000 lines operating. I think it's easy to calculate what the business potential for a technology leader as FLS is in that business. And that explains why we are quite positive on our mid to long-term future and, as we say, the next 130 years of FL Smith. This is a strategy which makes sense and what we can prove that it works. So, add, so to your question, is all of this uh, revenue will go into the customer service division, non into cement division? Yes, that's clear. Okay, very good. Uh, so basically, with your answer, I kind of um, got an answer, implied answer as well, that uh, when we are talking about this order that you just received, you're basically taking the operating and management of um, some of the lines built by the Chinese providers as well. Yes. Thank you. Jürgen Sietrich from HSBC is on the line with a question. Yeah, hi. Um, I would also have a question on the orders, um, this structural change towards smaller orders. Um, you elaborated already a bit about that. To what extent that will change your sales visibility if that is ongoing, if we have a scenario where for, for quite some time there's not so much on the large scale side? You said 9 to 12 months is the visibility um, currently, and how, how does it also change here, the ability to smooth here the utilization? Um, that would be one question. And uh, then also on the FX side, uh, as I understand you right, you largely have translation effects at the moment. Um, to what extent uh, pricing competition from FX could become an issue, or uh, do you, don't you see a material risk from, from, from that side? And maybe lastly also on, on FX, uh, your cost base in India, to what extent this has helped helped you in the quarter? Thank you. Okay. We split here the question. I take the visibility part and the Indian, and Ben takes the FX part. <laughs> uh, visibility of small orders. Um, yes, I think the question is absolutely valid to ask about that. Because it can imply when we deal with smaller orders that we don't have the same visibility as for the large orders, which are going 12, 18, 40, 24 months. I have to say, yes, there is an, an element in it, but Still, the smaller announced orders are orders, for example, to improve the productivity on a site. You have to go in, you have to work for quite a while to lift that up, to work that out, to establish new equipment into it. So these are not orders that we say we deliver on Monday and on Friday it's done. Absolutely not. They are long-term orders too. If I compare, for example, like in construction industry with an excavator sales or a loader sales, this is still systems competence rec uh, necessary. There is still automation competence necessary. And that brings it more on the longer time. We keep visibility quite far ahead, but of course not as long as with the large orders, which are going up to 36 or 48 months. May I ask you to repeat the question regarding the, the FX? Because it was a bit unclear to me. Uh, 
to what extent uh, you, you could hear, uh, you could uh, get um, effect here from an intensifying pricing competition from the FX side. Is there a risk from 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 that from that side or? Yeah. Um, Sorry, I think it's a breaking in the line or something. I can't really hear the question fully. Uh, one oh. more time. Sorry about this. Do you see the risk of intensifying pricing competition coming from the FX side? Mm-hmm. Price and competition from the FX. No, no, please. Um, well, um, we see that uh, we have FX effects um, in, well, it is partly to the Indian part here, because we have um, a strong service center in India, which is serving our whole group. As we have a positive effect there on the, the FX development, uh, it is, of course, making us more competitive with the pricing of the engineering part of our business, as well as our back office costs, which is being carried out through India. So it is improving our competitiveness. Whether that will be the same situation for our peers remains to be seen. Um, It could be an expectation from our customers that they get some of these benefits from a lower currency, also in the pricing when we are selling products. So it could lead to an expectation for some price pressure in itself as we have this uh, development in uh, the currency. Uh, The effects are not very dramatic. Uh, You probably will say some more, Thomas, regarding the India business as such, the effects from the, the currency development. So I would not say this is a material change if this was an answer to your question. Then uh, the cost base in India, you are right, we have a significant uh, base in India. Um, I said that before, we are a kind of an Indian company with a headquarter in Copenhagen in Denmark because each third employee is an Indian colleague. Um, of course, if something happens in India like uh, uh, the value of the rupee on the downwards trend as we saw it in the last few months, that helps us on the cost side what we have for the company. But at the same time, we should not forget, F.L. Smith is very strong in sales and market share in India. And that, of course, is what we then lack on the other side. So from our point of view, we see quite a balance and equal impact with a very, very low uh, valued rupee versus a very strong valued rupee. Very strong valued rupee, immediately our sales engine starts very strong, but of course our cost base goes up too. If you would ask me what is the worst case in that scenario, it's exactly in the middle. If the rupee would as strong that our cost base comes more expensive, but still not strong enough that the customers are starting to buy again. That would be not positive for us, but we don't see that at the moment. Was that okay as an answer? Daniel Patterson from SCB is on the line with a question. Yes, uh, hello, Daniel Patterson here. <clears throat> I have a couple of questions relating to the mining side of the business. Um, in minerals processing, uh, the margin was quite strong, 11.7% in the quarter when adjusting uh, for the various one-offs. So my first question is really, is, is this margin representative of, of the backlog that you have in minerals processing, 
or is there something sort of helping that margin uh, in this quarter? Mm. Um, I take that. Um, yes, it's very strong, but it's related to the relatively high service business which is happening in the product companies which are reporting into mineral processing. Sizer technology, pumps, quite a big business in pumps, and so on. They clearly show a very strong after-sales business. And that, of course, boosts for the whole mineral processing division, the profitability. We can't say that we have actually, in the, on the revenue line, significant higher profitability on the large orders what we got a few years back. That is not the case. So it's simply driven by the service business, what we have in the capital division mineral processing. Okay, so what I'm hearing you saying is that it's it's also lumpy, that it's not necessarily representative of the backlog. No, what I say is that the profitability of mineral processing is quite resilient. That is what I say, because this situation as we have it in the product companies, as we call it, this is, let us say, the capital business with not being systems in mineral processing is still ongoing very favorably on the service side. That is what we say. It's not really okay. uh, lumpy or okay, so. No, that, that, that's clear. Uh, then my follow-up question also on mineral processing is um, perhaps can you comment on, on how important is leverage in this business and operating leverage? And the reason I ask is, of course, that this year you're guiding for now a 9 to 10 billion in top line. But given the you know, rather low orders this year, you know, next year your top line may only be, say, $6 billion or something in, in MP. Um, will that have an effect, or is the operating leverage almost zero? But let me answer like that. Uh, based on the business model, especially in mineral processing, as well as in material handling, we have these large orders which gives us visibility throughout the next few quarters. So we see when the, uh, the revenue line is dropping, we can more or less say it on the day when it goes down. That gives us the possibility to right-size the business early enough. So out of that, we have, of course, a leverage effect if you have minus, let us say, 30% revenue year on year. Of course, it has an impact. Uh, no one is be that flexible, to be honest. But we see it early enough coming and can rectify and business right size to the extent what we need. But one thing what I have to mention, no matter that we have only a few large orders out this year up to the end of quarter three, the predictability of getting a large order is nowadays more difficult than before because there is not the pressure on the customer side based on longer delivery times, etc., to decide quick. They are simply more relaxed, more reluctant, and think two, three, four times through before they make a big investment. But big investments will happen in the future too. Of course, not the same amount as it was a year or two years back, but they still will happen. And of course, if we get a big order, for example, an MP, that changed the picture quite dramatically with one big order. So we are very careful what we do at the right time, the right activity. That's the message into the organization. Okay. Um, and then my final question. Uh, one quarter ago, um, 
you basically said that you know your broader outlook for mining investments were likely to decline sort of uh, through the late 2014. Um, but uh, as an answer to an early uh, uh, question, I sort of heard you say basically orders can't get much worse because there's no large orders there. So I'm just sort of asking, uh, are you still sticking to your sort of broad order outlook that you know orders are going to decline through 2014? Or do you think maybe now this year is going to be the low point? You know, um, for me, the, I'm an engineer. And for me, the low point is nil. <laughs> That's the low point. And what we see is already at the beginning of 2013, it was going down with a significant high double-digit figure negatively. And we see that levels out. It will get single-digit and then over a longer, a few months, going minus 5, minus 3, minus 2. So we still believe the CapEx downturn will go on up to the end of 2014. And when we talk with our customers, that is the feedback what we get. Of course, if I take quarter free 2014 and I'm already comparing with a impacted quarter free in 2013 by the mining capex, the percentage of minus is significant lower than it is this year. That is what we say. It still slides out at the end of 2014. The main message behind is, from our point of view, we don't want to send the signal we are now at the bottom and we have a paradise in front of us from tomorrow on. That's definitely not the case if it comes to large orders, CapEx. That is uh, crystal clear. Thank you. Patrick Setterberg from Nordia is on the line with a question. Yes, hello, gentlemen. I have to follow up on the last question which were asked. Um, uh, you're saying that uh, you're still expecting these mining orders or mining capex to, to bottom out in 2014. I, I think I saw an interview uh, a month ago where you said that uh, after 2014 you, you're expecting the market to be stable for one or two, 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 two years after that. Is still that the, the case how you see the mining capex uh, development in the world? Yes, that is, we call it in 2015, the flattish behavior. Um, to explain that a little bit more, of course, we look into uh, which kind of large orders are put into the market. And at the moment, we see a trend on the, if mining capex is spent, it's a lot to do with infrastructure spendings, less with equipment spendings. That will change, but that takes time until that change. Another part is... Um, Another bank, a peer bank of you, uh, is so friendly to announce what they get from their customers back on uh, equipment, CapEx investments. And if we see quarter two, there was a huge peak announced for 2015, which surprised us here in FLS a little bit because we didn't see it. We saw the same survey a few days ago or weeks ago, and it now clearly shows this peak is not 2015, it moved to 2016, 2017, which definitely, we think, proves that what we already saw in quarter two. Okay, very clear. My second question is regarding uh, the near-term pipeline of large orders. I think after the Q2 result, you said that you believe that the order intake in the second half of 2013 would be stronger than the first half. Is still... Is that going to be the case? Because if it's going to be so, 
you must uh, see some large orders in the pipeline for the fourth quarter. You know, on one side, uh, we were not saying the truth because we didn't get really big ones in quarter three. On the other side, of course, we have a, yeah, a lot. We have quite significant ones in the pipeline. That's a fact. Um, the issue is at the moment, it is not that easy to predict when the customer makes the final call. I have to say that there is not the pressure on the customer side regarding um, delivery times. There is absolutely not the pressure on the customer, it's vice versa, to spend money based on their cash flow system and their setup. So from that point of view, it is not that they are against investments, but there is no, how to say, additional push on their side to do so. At the same time, we have a very high level of customer contacts, a very high level of negotiations ongoing. If we would take the pipeline as a benchmark, then we have quite a good future in front of us, very short. But as I said, customers are not at the moment in the position to make quick decisions to release a lot of CapEx. That's the situation. So it's fairly difficult to predict an exact number, no matter that I would like to do. Okay, thank you. And my, my last question is, is, is a topic we have talked about previously. Is in terms of prices on these mining equipments. <clears throat> well, when you talk about prices, is it in the local currencies or is it in U.S. dollars? Uh, when we talk with customers, you mean? Yeah, when you when you could do a negotiation on prices uh, with, with a customer in South Africa or or in South America, do you, do, you, do you usually do it in local currency or in United or in U.S. dollars? It's up to the customer, I have to say. Of course, U.S. dollar is quite a dominant currency in that effect. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Last stop home from Carnegie Bank is on the, question, on the line with a question. Uh, yes, uh, just one additional question. A topic you haven't talked about at all, but separate you actually still own and it uh, goes horrible. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Well, uh, we don't you know all, now. <laughs> you already, in your question, imply an answer, I have to say. Um, <laughs> Lars, the, uh, I can bring it like that. The same as in Q2, this is not our core business. So we will sell it. That's a given. But we will not sell it for a price which is absolutely not reflecting the value of the company. And especially not in a time where you can't create that value. We will not burn here shareholder value. I can make it like that. At the same time, of course, we recognize that Semprit is not performing to expectation level. And out of that, we have a new management in. We have a new CEO in. And they work on a turnaround to get it on a level what we think is an acceptable one. What is the acceptable level? We look into the peers. And of course, we would like to perform better than the peers. That's the acceptable level what we target for. Time frame, three to four years. So, so are you also implying that time frame for a disposal is three to four years? Yes, exactly. That is what I meant. Three to four okay. years is the disposal okay. time frame. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. If you have a question, please press star, then one on your touch tone phone. Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one on your touch tone phone. 
Fasil Ahmad from Handelsbanken is on the line with a question. Yes, gentlemen, this is uh, Fasil Ahmad from Handelsbanken Capital Markets. Um, I have uh, three questions, if I may. Um, the first one relates to your um, operations and management business. Uh, I mean, you have been quite optimistic or upbeat regarding your pipeline, and now you've secured a big contract in Q4. How do you want to think? Uh, how do you want us to think about your pipeline for the next three to six months on, on the pipeline um, for O&M contracts? And the second question is uh, really related to your mining business. Uh, one of your competitors uh, talked about a very, very weak September on, on um, mining orders and uh, some kind of recovery in October. Is, is that the same kind of picture you are seeing and, and the same kind of thing what you, what you have experienced in Q3? And the last question relates to a cement. Not many big uh, cement orders this year. I mean, is, is, is this the kind of run rate we should expect, or, or should we expect some big orders in, in Q4? That's all. Thank you. Okay, the pipeline for O&M contracts. Um, of course, a the, the little bit to explain when we quote on O&M contracts. That takes quite a sophisticated approach to analyze what we quote. Because what we sell to the customer is not only a maintenance, we sell that we operate it and that we improve productivity on that site. For that, we have, of course, to evaluate very much in detail what we have here. Where are they? What do we have to change? And I'm not only talking here about uh, maintenance interval. I talk about equipment too, which is CapEx investment. And when we can realize it, and when are we delivering the productivity improvement? That's that's the setup. So we have always for these O&M pipeline uh, inquiries quite a long time before until we really can say what we can quote. If I look now into the pipeline, we have a lot of inquiries regarding O&M. But of course, you need a lot of very professional, competent people to make that quotation. At the moment, we, and that's part of the efficiency program, I have to say that we reinvest with the efficiency program in more salespeople, in more service people, relatively to that what we had before. So we are at the moment bringing people into O&M to be faster in quoting O&M. So to make a long story short, we have quite a full pipeline for O&M inquiries. How quick we can realize that into a contract, we will see. It is really customer on customer different. Because for some of the customers, we quote, this is a complete new business model, what they go into it. If I take the second question, the mining, uh, as far as I got it, there is one peer you said who said that the order intake in October was very weak. Is, is that how I got it? No, um, September was very weak, and then some kind of recovery in October. Is is that the same kind of picture what you uh, what you have experienced? Um, it's up. Yeah, it's yeah difficult to say. That really, we, we don't see that. I have to say, we are really looking more quarter on quarter because we have already we have a lot of fluctuations in between the months of a quarter, and um, so we look quarter on quarter. Um, if it comes in general to order intake, the, um, the actual situation is, as I said before, mining customers, 
we negotiate and negotiate not the same thing all the time, but very often we repeat things because it is what we fully understand an issue at the moment for the mining customers to invest big capex. We have in the mining industry, I think, 16 new, and I'm not included, 16 new CEOs, and there are reasons for it. And the announcement out of the industry is, dear investors, we will take a break on investments, on CapEx investments. So if investments are necessary, they are very, very much thought through until we get an approval. So at the moment, we can't say that we see a fluctuation in between months. Absolutely not. And then the low run rate with cement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are already there since a few quarters. Mm. And um, so it goes on like that, if I may say so. But we are slightly optimistic because areas like Africa, areas like Middle East, pockets in Asia, as well as in Latin America, are looking promising. But it takes, of course, a while until these things are then ending up as contracts into our books. Okay, thank you very much. Johannes Gunfelis is on the line with a question from ABG. Yes, hello, uh, everyone. Hello, everyone. Johannes here. Uh, two questions, uh, please. And, and the first one is on uh, customer service. If you can help me to understand the sort of the, the run rate business for, for, for that division. I mean, I, I look into your now upgraded 13 sales forecast for that division. Now, if, if I take the midpoint in, in, in the right range that you gave us, it's, it's eight and a half, right? No, sorry, seven and a half. And, and you did 5.5 in the first nine months. So you're implicitly here guiding for something like 1.9 for the fourth quarter, at least if I take the midpoint guidance. And, and we, you, you showed this before that uh, you have always a se strong seasonal season. In, uh, there's a seasonal uh, strength in the fourth quarter. And I also see there is a mismatch between orders and sales for customer service. So I suppose that mismatch will be a benefit in the fourth quarter. So I guess I'm asking, are, are you very conservative here with the, with the full-year guidance for customer service? And, and what do you see going forward here in, in 2014? Oh, uh, thank you for the question. Um, I don't think that we are uh, extremely conservative, to be honest. Uh, it only, if you have one quarter on revenue side, which is weaker, as we had it, and I repeat, I have to repeat it, it's of course currency effect is in it, and that will go on into the fourth quarter too then we have to be that transparent and honest and saying how we see the guidance. And if we are, from our prediction, below that, what we guided before, then we come out and say it. And that is exactly yeah. what we did. Why are we doing that? Again, the quarter free revenue, no matter that we, that we know that some of the uh, order intake in quarter free didn't amortize into revenue, we see that, but... We have things like uh, currency effect, which is significant in customer service, especially. And, um, of course, we see that customers um, have this, we call it leveling of inventory that is ongoing throughout the year. That means they start to reduce inventory levels at the end of the year. So that will have an impact on customer service business, too. So out of that, we are not 
keeping the guidance what we had before for customer service. Does that okay, answer? That, 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 that's helpful. But, but in that case, it sounds that you're not uh, uh, you're not uh, budgeting to uh, you know that this mismatch between orders and revenue will be translated to sales in the fourth quarter. That might come in 2014. Yes, that uh, can be the case. Yes. Yes. Uh, thanks. Uh, that, that, that's helpful. I also have a question on, on the your, your biggest order here ever that you you announced a few days ago in Nigeria. Can you indicate what kind of margins you expect from it, and, and is it so that we should expect flat margins, you know, for the five-year period or or, or so? I, the difficult questions I always give to Ben. Ben. Thank you very much, my boss. Um, this contract, of course, we cannot go out with it for separate contracts to go out and say, what is the margin there? It says from competition point of view, we cannot. What you can say in general is that uh, uh, in a country like Nigeria, which is a, a risky country, you might say, from a transparency point of view, and um, we have added a risk uh, provisions into the pricing for this project, which means that um, it is a project which should give uh, pro, uh, profit at the same level that we have seen in the business from earlier into the own business. So no reduction. Uh, don't uh, expect anything else than that is uh, the same as we have seen so far. Yeah, because I know previously you have said to us that O&M contract has a boosting impact on the group margins, but a sort of diluting effect on the customer service as such. Is that what we should expect on this type of order, on the year-end order? So maintaining the, for the group as a whole target on the, the profitable, uh, profitability level, but it's in the lower range of the customer service as such. So it's correct. Yes. I actually have another question here when I, I have the opportunity, and, and that is on, on cash flows and, and what you see in terms of networking capital, because Presumably, your equipment business will continue to decline, whereas the service business is, is doing relatively well here and, and is growing, presumably. Um, can you still uh, continue to re reduct networking capital in that uh, scenario? Yeah, first of all, this is a good question. Um, we have absorbed quite large change already in uh, the down payments from or prepayments from customers, as it has already, already been three quarters where we haven't had the new large orders. So a lot of that kind of like headwind has been taken out already and the effect has hit us. We have managed to absorb that. So going forward, do we see other opportunities for even reducing the networking capital? And yes, we do. We are working on programs, for instance, with vendor financing. We are working on... Uh, uh, some timing issues, and uh, we have worked a lot with our account receivables where we still admit that we have too much overdue in our account receivables. So yes, we we are aiming for continuing to developing the absolute amount of networking capital as well as the percentage in our business. I have to okay. say, if I can add here, we already elaborated quite detailed on the Q2 about it, that what will happen if if the lack of large orders, of course, will increase the customer service and single equipment business, which is per business, of course, requiring a higher networking capital. And that was the reason why we, no matter that we were in these days, I think on 7 or 8%, which is top class in the industry if it comes to networking capital, having a huge force and activity on networking capital to get it down. And as Ben said, the, the lack of advanced payments 
you don't see that in our networking capital figures today. And that is a fantastic performance of the organization to achieve that. Okay, very helpful comments. Thank you for me. You can see direct from HSBC is on the line with a question. Yes, a follow-up question on your own um, business. Um, as you are doing this now, also uh, for Sinoma plans, is it fair to assume that the quality of these plans is, is quite okay? Uh, uh, otherwise, you wouldn't take here the risks. That's the first part of this question. And the second, also on your own M business, um, you try to, to leverage this into the mining area where you do only maintenance at the moment. To what extent, uh, if that feeds through in this market, uh, to what extent you will have here or could have competition from other European peers, uh, different here from, from cement where you are, I think, in a unique selling position. Thank you. Um, based on your first question, of course, we talked about Chinese peer by not naming a brand. Um, the If it comes to to maintain and to operate equipment which is not out of our own house, um, it doesn't automatically mean that you get the same performance of that equipment what you have out of our own house. I think that's clear. Um, of course, the customer intention is to get the productivity up. That's very important for him. That's the driver why they would like to have us on site because they know when we come, when we agree, when we calculate that we can provide overperformance on these sites. I would not link the actual performance of a cement line with that what we can improve when we make the O&M because otherwise it would not make sense to take us on board. If the productivity is already good, why to take O&M from Ethel Smith? And when we operate our own sites, and we, when we go in, this is very often sites which are quite old, where we go in and with that our old equipment, partly decades old equipment, still are able with what we call ramp ups on these lines to improve the productivity significantly. On top of it, in these O&M contracts, we educate a lot of local people, which explains and recruit a lot of local people, which explains why it's very difficult to track us on headcounts when it comes to business right sizing. But we educate and we uh, work and increase the competence of a lot of local people. And if the contract would end anytime, then the customer will take over these competent people. Our first contract is from 2006. And up to now, not one of our customers stopped one of these O&M contracts. The other part is, yes, mining is interested in O&M contracts. We have discussions on the mine side to talk about that, what it would mean. But as I said before, it is for us outmost important to understand what the site looks like and how it performs and what we can do for which kind of investment to improve the productivity. And that simply takes time. But we are definitely in discussion and work with some of the mining customers regarding O&M. Third part is if we fear or if we see competition coming up, um, a good business always will create peers. And that's okay. 
I see that positive, to be honest, because it will force us to get more better than we are already. To be the number one and to act as number two is a fantastic thing. And that is what you get when you have a good peer in. We hope, of course, that we get a peer into that business who has the same value setting as we have it as a Danish company, which is for us outmost important. Okay, thank you. We have no further questions at this time. Okay, then I would like to say thank you, Ben. Mm -hmm. You too. <laughs> thank you for all the people participating in that telephone webcast, conference, video conference, and for all the good questions. I wish you a good day and a safe trip. Bye.